Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for Warren and for Kimberly. We thank you for their devotion to you to leave their homes here in the United States to take your gospel across the world. We pray that you would bless them and their families. We pray that you bless those that they are reaching for your name. Lord, as we turn now to your holy word, we ask that you would teach us. We ask that you would move in these moments to encourage us, to inspire us, Lord, to challenge and convict us. We ask that you would speak to us through your holy and perfect word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Guys, I'm so sorry that the, we had some technological issues this morning and we were not able to see their slides, but uh, knowing that they were going to be sharing, that's actually our, our passage for this morning. Um, that was already programmed into what we normally were going to do was Matthew 28. So if you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, please take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. If you do not have your own copy of God's Word, feel free to borrow one from the back of the pew that's there in front of you. If you don't own your own copy of God's Word, feel free to take one of those from the back of the pew and keep it as our gift to you. Regardless of if you're accessing the Word of the Lord in digital or print format, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word. We'll be reading Matthew chapter 28. Verses 19 and 20, I'll read for us when I've completed. I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. If you are grateful for it, I encourage you to respond by saying, thanks be to God. The word of the Lord says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This morning we will actually conclude our sermon series looking at what a disciple of Jesus Christ practically looks like in everyday life. So we have been looking at what it means to make disciples in that passage, in those verses where Jesus says, Go, therefore, remember every other verb in that passage is a participle. In your going, as you're baptizing, as you're teaching, the only imperative is make disciples. And so Jesus commands us to go forth and to make disciples. But what does a disciple look like? We think about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are great things, but what are the practical outworkings? So we have been looking at what uh, a pastor friend of mine, Ken Adams, put together. And being a good Southern Baptist, we have alliteration. Uh, it's just seven instead of three. So the last several weeks, we have walked through each one of these. So a disciple of Jesus Christ, the first M, is member there is no context anywhere in Scripture, as we have said every week, for a Christian to exist on their own outside of a community of believers. Even in Thailand, even in the most remote reaches of the world, God has called us to be members one of another. If we are part of the church, then we will be a part of a church. And membership is how we do that. 
all the rest of these flow from the concept of a collection of believers, a community of believers. So then as members all together, collectively and individually, we magnify the Lord. We make the Lord our primary focus. Our job in life is to make a big deal of him, to magnify his name and his fame and his glory throughout all the earth. If we're magnifying, we'll also minister within our church and to our community and around the world. We'll be servants. That's all that it means to be a minister. When Jesus came, he could have been the conquering king, but he came to give us an example of servant leadership. So Christians, disciples, lifelong learners, apprentices of Jesus Christ are members of They're magnifiers, they're ministers. We are constantly in the process of maturing, right? We never arrive while we are living on this side of heaven. We're constantly in a state of growing in wisdom and growing up in the gospel. We are managers. We manage our time. We manage our talent. We manage our temple. We manage our treasure. We walk through those four things. We manage things well in our lives. To whom much is given Much is expected. God has told his disciples, his followers, to manage their time, temple, talent, resources, their treasure well. We are also messengers like we looked at last week. We are to go out and carry the message of the gospel all throughout the world, all throughout our community, to carry the message that there is hope in Jesus. And if you'll remember, we've talked through this whole series about how these seven fit into our mission as a church. At Bethany Baptist Church, our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God by believing in Jesus, becoming his disciples, and building his kingdom. If you're thinking, wow, I've never heard that before, you may have been living under a rock for the last six years. If you just happen to be one of those people living under a rock, I want you to look on the front of your bulletin. Take your bulletin out, all right? Everybody all at once, we're taking our bulletin out. You're participating in the sermon. It's good. We're working together. And you're looking at the front of it. And on the front of it, you'll notice those same exact words every single week. It is who we are. We exist to glorify God. We do that by believing in Jesus, by becoming his disciples and building his kingdom. When we get to this last M, seven, multiplier, That is building his kingdom. It is our job to multiply the kingdom of God. I'm telling you guys, there's not a wet spot on this pulpit. But every week when we're preaching, something drips right there. It just gets me every time. I'm so sorry. So, all drips of water aside, we are multipliers. It is our job to go and multiply in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might think, well, I mean, that's kind of a a simple thing, but Jesus gives this direct command. It's all over the New Testament. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is Paul writing one of the last letters that he writes before he is killed and martyred for his faith, before he is probably beheaded in Rome. He's giving instructions to Timothy. I want us to specifically look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. This whole 13-verse section is fantastic, and we should definitely look at it in context. But for the sake of time, we're just going to look at verse 2. As Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The instruction to Timothy is not to just go add to the kingdom of God. He says to multiply, not just to go and teach people the gospel, not just to go and share the good news of Jesus as a messenger, but to take it a step further and entrust the faith, entrust the good news, entrust the whole counsel of Scripture to those who will then turn around and teach it to someone else, to entrust others who will continue and be able to teach. In John chapter 20, Jesus himself, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. We're just going to look at verse 21, okay? Move with me to verse 21 of John chapter 20. This is the great commission of the gospel of John. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We are all sent. If we are going to be a disciple of Jesus, we are sent. We are on mission. We are to go and make disciples. I would go so far as to even say that it's, it's not possible to truly count ourselves as disciples of Jesus if we don't make a priority If never in our faith we have ever made a disciple of someone else. If we have never made an attempt to make a disciple of someone else, something drastically has gone wrong in our faith. If we are going to be disciples, part of the call to be a disciple is to make another disciple. Even if that's your children. If you grow up and you have children and you disciple your children and then your children grow on to be disciples and make other disciples, that's built into, baked into Christianity. It's it's part of the definition of what it means to follow Jesus. If we're going to be a disciple, we're going to be a lifelong learner. We're going to be an apprentice after Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He made disciples. And what did he do with his disciples? He sent out the twelve. He sent them out two by two. He gathered other disciples that in addition to the twelve apostles that we see listed as his special called out twelve, he sends out seventy-two. He trains them up in the gospel and sends them out. In the book of Acts, he goes up and is called up into the heavens. And then he says to his disciples as he's ascending, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. This is the call. This is what it means to be a disciple. If you're a member of a church, if you're ministering to people, if you're magnifying Jesus, if you're maturing, if you're a messenger, if you're a great manager, all these things in your life, but we're not multiplying, then we are failing to follow direct commands from Christ. Direct commands from Jesus to go, to be his witness, to make disciples who then turn around and make disciples. I want you to think in your mind about an apple. If I were holding an apple, this is one of my favorite analogies from Ken Adams. If I was holding an apple in my hand, how many apples would I have in my hand? How many apples would I be holding if I had an apple in my hand? It'd just be one apple, right? But it's got the potential of being an infinite number of apples. If I eat that apple down to the core and I take every seed from that apple and plant it, hoping for a tree, if only one tree sprouts, how many apples do I get out of that tree? How many seeds do I get out of those apples to then go plant 
more trees? Do we not understand why Jesus constantly uses gardening analogies when he is talking? He constantly talks about being a parable, about parables, about being a seed sower. That is on purpose that we might grow and we might spread seeds through all the earth. Here's the sad part. We fail when it comes to being messengers. I fail when it comes to being a messenger. And not only do we fail when it comes to being a messenger, but if we can't be a messenger, we have no hope of being a multiplier. Folks, it is our job. He entrusted the message to us. It says in the Corinthians, he says he's given this message to us. The message of reconciliation is entrusted to us. There is no plan B. Do you, do you and I get that? Out of all the things that God could have done to spread His glory and name and for His honor to go throughout all the world and all the universe, He could have done anything. But He chose you and I and then didn't do a backup plan. Didn't make some sort of last resort. It's up to us. He's entrusted this gospel to us. So let's say that we were great messengers. All right? Let's say we're not great multipliers, but we're great messengers. I just want to do some math with you, okay? I know that math is not my strong suit, okay? I speak other languages. I don't do math. I didn't do a lot of math in college. But we're going to look at some math together. Let's say that you are the most evangelistic person on the face of the planet, that you put old Billy Graham to shame. I mean, you are personally evangelizing one person every week for the rest of your life. I mean, every single week there is one person that knows and understands the gospel due to you sharing the gospel with them. Let's just put this in a vacuum, okay? This is our little experiment. There's no air. There's no other variables. This is just you individually, me individually. I'm sharing the gospel with one person every week. Look at how it adds up. If I share the gospel with one person every week and they trust and believe in Jesus in 20 years... I could have shared the gospel and been personally a part of 1,040 people coming to know Jesus. How incredible is that, right? I mean, 52 people a year for 20 years, that's 1,040 people. How amazing would that be for somebody to be that evangelistic? But see, the only downside to that is that if you're only a messenger, and if you're only giving the message of the gospel and then moving on to the next person immediately... You have no idea what happens to that person you shared with. You're just hoping for the best. You're scattering seed far and wide, which is a good thing to do. I'm not trying to disparage us from being a messenger. Okay, that's part of it. We are messengers. But look what happens when we stop adding 52 plus 52 plus 52 plus 52. And we start multiplying. Look at these numbers. You're already seeing them. They're already up there. The first year... Looks really slow, especially compared to the person who is just sharing the gospel and not following up or discipling that person to go and share the gospel with somebody else. At the end of a year, you spend a whole year with one person and you disciple them up and you help train them up in the gospel and they are ready to launch out and go make more disciples themselves. After a year, you're looking at your buddy and they've got 52 people that know Jesus now. And you're over here with one. But that one is well and fully trained. So the next year, it's you and that one. And the two of you each reach one more and spend a whole year, so it doubles. And then the four of you each reach one more for the whole year. And then it doubles to eight. And then it doubles to 16. 
So it takes 10 years before you actually catch up with the messenger who is not multiplying. It is great that the message is going out there, right? But at this point, there are now 512 disciples fully trained and knowing the gospel, ready to go make more disciples themselves. You carry that out over the next 20 years total. You're at 522,288. I'm not good with math, but 1,000 and 500,000, I think, I think that's like 500 times more effective than 1,000. 1,000 times 500 gets you to 500,000, right? The other part about this is it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about spending 20 years sharing the gospel with people and then standing before Jesus and saying, look what I did, Lord. I brought 1,000 people to know Jesus. It's about being a part of something bigger than us. Don't you ever want to be a part of something that is beyond you, that's beyond your grasp, that's beyond your comprehension? That's what a multiplying movement of disciple making is like. You can't even control it or contain it. By the time 20 years of disciple making has happened, those 500,000 people, if each of them go and make another disciple, you're at a million. What did Warren say a moment ago? What's the goal? A million Christians in Thailand. A million. Hey, it's doable. That 21st year, it's doable. But it takes time and patience and making disciples. Making disciples is not about our church versus their church. This is not a competition. I'm not in competition with any other pastor in our county. We as a church, Bethany's not in competition with First Baptist of Andalusia. We're not in competition with Harmony or Southside or West County Line or Westview or First Baptist Op or any other church in our county. We're not in a competition. We're in a war. This is a spiritual war and people are lost and dying. And it's not about our church growing or their church growing. It's about people who are condemned to eternal suffering and darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we don't care enough to go make a disciple and train them up to go make another disciple. We're too worried about who's going to this church and who's going to that church. We're too worried about I might offend them because maybe they think they're a Christian and they'll be mad because I think they're not. Let them be mad. Share the gospel for the love of Jesus Christ. Go out there and be a messenger who then makes that disciple. Don't just cast the seed and walk away, but spend a year, two years, three years. Invest in people. Invest in your children. Invest in your family. Invest in your co-workers. And raise them up to be disciples that then go make disciples. And before we know it, we won't even be able to keep track. We won't even be able to tally the numbers. We'll stand before the Lord Jesus and he'll say to us, not us say to him, look what I did. He'll say, look what I did, Nathan, through you. Look what I did through you. Look what movement you were a part of. Look how the world was changed. Look how the country of Thailand changed because people got the message and they made disciples. And church, If I'm being honest with you, if you feel guilty this morning and you feel like I'm stepping on your toes, the Holy Spirit has been crushing my toes all week long. If you feel like you're not a disciple maker, you're in the same camp that I am. As a church, this has to be who we are. This has to be how we affect our community. 
It's not about how pretty our carpet is or what paint is on the wall. It's about are we making disciples? And are those disciples making more disciples? Because if that's not who we're going to be, we're going to change the mission statement. If that's not who we're going to be, then I'll be happy to be a little chaplain up here and I'll visit you when you're sick and I'll pray for you and make you feel better because I came to see you when you were in the hospital and we'll just play church every week and we won't care about anything else or if the gospel goes forward and we'll gossip you back and forth and yammer over who's going to what church and how good their church is doing, how good our church is doing, and that'll be who we are. But that's not who God has called me to lead Bethany to be. God has called me to this church and I am here so that we might be a part of a disciple-making movement. And that people might become a member of a church community somewhere. And that they might go and make disciples. And yes, I am here because I feel like God is probably calling some of your children to go, just like Warren and Kimberly, over to the other ends of the earth. I feel like God is calling some of our children to stay right here and to be missionaries in Covington County. And I believe God's calling some of us and some of our children to do something somewhere in between. But God's got a mission for us at Bethany. And it involves making disciples. And so how are we going to do? Who are we going to be? Joshua says to all the people, choose this day whom you will serve. Bethany Baptist Church, I ask you, after seven weeks of hearing about these M's, choose this day. Who will we be? Will we play church like so many others in the south of the United States? Or are we going to be part of a disciple-making movement that one day we get to stand before the Lord and say, dear God, I can't believe you used me to be a part of that. Thank you, Lord, that I got to play a small role in your kingdom. And he'll look down at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not a competition. It's a war. Are you ready for battle? Are you ready to make disciples? Who are we going to be? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy for your grace. Lord, thank you that you've given us all that we need in your word. Thank you by the power of your spirit, you give us utterance that even in the moments when we feel unsure and insecure of what to say, you give us the words to say. Lord, I pray that you would empower us to be a church that is known for glorifying your name by making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Lord Jesus, let us be a part of the movement that you have to spread the hope and the glory of the gospel, the good news that there is life to be found in you and in you alone. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. May we be a part of a church, a part of a movement that is proclaiming that message around the whole world, that we would invest in people and spend time with them to help them know and grasp And understand the gospel. And then turn and disciple others to do the same. Lord, may we go, therefore, baptizing, teaching, observing, obeying, making disciples. May that be who we as Bethany are. Lord, as we move into a time of response, I I pray that your spirit would move among us. Shake us and wake us up. Break us out of the mold of this every day routine. And by the power of you, Holy Spirit, would you call us into something bigger than ourselves. Something beyond a simple church. Something beyond myself and us individually. 
May we join the movement of making disciples for your kingdom. May we respond in obedience as you move among us. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, Jason's going to lead us in a song. I want to encourage you, as he leads us, will you stand, will you sing, will you respond as the Holy Spirit moves? Yeah. Hey.